Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Talking About Podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. With me on the line is Dave Early of Liberty Ballers. Dave, how are you doing this, this week? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you back. Um, fun fun time to be a Sixers fan or person covering the Sixers as a, a member of the, the Bloggerazzi, as as we do. Um, <laughs> six, six straight wins for them. They're up to number two in the East, just two and a half games back of Boston, only one game in the loss column. Um, and as we're recording this now on Friday, we've, we're sandwiched between what was a really intense Brooklyn game on Wednesday night and then the nationally televised game on ABC Saturday afternoon against the Western Conference leading Denver Nuggets. So we're going to look back at that Brooklyn game and then preview the Nuggets stuff and have some all-star starter talk for you all i know a lot of people out there got got thoughts and opinions about joel and being left off as a starter so we're going to discuss that as well um so dave let's start with wednesday night in brooklyn um a lot more drama and intensity than your typical regular season meeting that's got to be up there for like playoff like atmospheres that you've seen outside the postseason right Oh, yeah, that was ratcheted up. Kevin Durant wasn't even out there. You know him and Joel have had some jawing matches over their last few matchups. Um, second game, Ben was active, but the first one versus Joel, and the fans were definitely had some, like, well-coordinated chance. I think there was it was, like, I couldn't tell because I'm watching on TV, but was it, like, Ben Simmons and then long pause sucks? <laughs> really, really dipped deep into their bag for that one. <laughs> I think you called that. I think I said, are they going to come up with anything creative? And you were like, nah, they're just going to say Ben Simmons sucks. <laughs> yeah. Just the try, the tried and true. You don't you need knew. to, you don't need to get fancy. The, yeah. There's, there was also the F Ben Simmons, of course. Um, right. But yeah, the, they, they didn't, didn't need to think outside the box too, too much. Um, but yeah, Ben, Ben had an interesting game in a lot of ways. It looked like he was still, not looking anywhere near the rim like he and the the rim had a long distance relationship for much of the first half and then the third quarter he he kind of started to look like a little bit of the Ben of old as far as his offensive production he he was definitely attacking more a lot of that had to do with his his time when Trez Harrell was guarding him and <laughs> there's just right. no no fear there um and then in the fourth from about the if nine that's not a lesson on. for us all on how <laughs> on how ben just went right at trez yeah yeah uh listen daryl doc if if you're listening <laughs> this is perhaps the least the, right, the, le- the least threatening the the guy in the league who least wants to be attacking the basket 
and he was willing to do it against Trez Harrell. What do you think guys in the postseason are going to do? Oh my goodness. And Doc <laughs> Doc responded, he benched Trez, but it's like if you're gonna be that reactive in a game against a tough opponent to bench Trez, then why are you benching Paul Reed for like ten games at a time? I don't know. And Paul Reed was a monster in the previous matchup versus Brooklyn, nineteen ten, two blocks, two steals. So it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, he was great in that one when the the hospital Sixers pulled off the upset. Um, yeah, and then to not really see the floor, strange. Um, when when George Niang comes in, and it's like, oh, thank goodness we have our defensive stopper George Niang on the court now, who uh, he he kind of stifled Simmons on that one possession, forced him into a travel, and then got up in his face. Simmons pushed him to to, to draw a technical. Like crowd goes nuts. George Niang. Perfect, perfect wrestling heel. Loved it. If you're a Ben <laughs> hate, if you're a Ben hater, there was plenty of moments that went viral of him. Like, probably could have turned around and dunked it, but then kicked it out for a three. And of all the people who were going to go right at Joel Embiid, it wasn't Ben. It was Nick Claxton, kind of playing the role of heel. Um, so, lots of fodder if you're a Ben hater. Yeah, and. There was also not related to the Sixers game as far as Ben's concerned, but they they played the next night and Jack Vaughn had some interesting comments um about Ben. It seemed like he's a little over the whole the whole Ben thing. Ben I, I believe he left the game in the third quarter of Thursday night's game with uh what they term knee soreness. Um but but Dave, you you watched that press conference a little bit more extensively. What were your thoughts about Jock's uh Ben comments? So the moment that went viral was Jock kind of batting his eyelashes when he gets to the point where he says Ben left with knee soreness. And if you only saw that, it looks pretty clear like he's rolling his eyes that maybe he doesn't think Ben had knee soreness. But if you watch the full context of the full interview, which I think SNY Nets Vids put out, uh, you could see it was a little different than that. He was He had flubbed the knee contusion for TJ Warren and the knee soreness for Ben Simmons. And I think he is a classy guy. I think what he was doing was making fun of himself for not getting it straight when you're supposed to get the injury report straight. Um, But to the point that people are saying that he might be a little bit fed up with Ben, he went on to continue to say, you know, you played a certain amount of minutes in Philadelphia. That's not happening here. Guys got to be ready it does strike some of those same notes that Sixers haters have struck where it's, is Ben really hurt? And to be honest, I see why Sixers fans are frustrated because Ben went with the mental health route to get himself traded. Not that he doesn't have mental health issues. I think he very much did, but is that really and truly what kept him out of the lineup in Philadelphia? I think most people would agree. No, he, he wanted a trade. And so he kind of leaned on something that, was existing i feel the other way about the i don't think ben has ever faked an injury i think the people who were confident that when ben got to brooklyn and he was dealing with mental health and didn't want to play they should have eaten some crow there because the dude needed surgery on his spinal cord right he needed a discectomy or whatever yeah he had back surgery so that definitely a legitimate thing and heading into this year he's had his knee drained just A matter of weeks ago, he had a calf strain, which we know from Kevin Durant is not something to be taken lightly. Um, So I really don't think Ben 
doesn't want to play. I think he wants to be out there and is dealing with injuries that he has alluded at times might be related to the back. You know, when you're dealing with a back, it's possible that you're, you get a knee. If you're dealing with the knee, it's possible that you get blah, blah, blah. So I think Ben wanted to play. If Jacques feels that he's not doing everything he can to be out there, maybe there's something that we're not seeing. And when he did say guys in Philly, he could have meant Seth as well, because Seth has been injured a lot in Brooklyn. Also, he needed offseason ankle surgery. It's certainly not the way Steve Nash used to sound. Nash never implied that a player should have been doing more to be out on the court. Um, maybe some of this is Jacques being a rookie and being a little bit more open and honest about his feelings. I'm sure Sean Marks is going to have a chat with him about this could be construed a certain way. Let's not imply that, but um, that's my thoughts on that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, just be a little less specific. Just use the the coaching general generalities that everybody just don't uses give this anyone a chance nowadays. to pounce on the fact that you think he should have been playing when really he was dealing with this knee that's been bothering him for like six weeks or something like yeah. that. Yeah, sure. All right. Um. Well, that's that's probably enough Ben talk because fortunately we don't have to cover him full time anymore. So uh, it's not our headache anymore. Um, but the the game more broadly, so it, it did look like Joel was kind of forcing things a little bit, uh, especially in the first half, just wanted to make a statement in his first game against Ben as an opponent. Um, it seemed like any time he got somebody on his back, he was really just trying to like dunk on them. Uh, in, in our Slack, we had a little bit of a discussion about that. Where did you fall on that? Like, was he forcing it too much or was he just just happened to be like an off game for him? What did you think? Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the second game of the season against Milwaukee when it looked like he wanted to put Brooke Lopez through the rim multiple times. And we later found out he was dealing with a sore foot in that game also. So I think there's this double whammy of when Joel's foot isn't right and he's taking a game, a nationally televised game personally. Uh, Andrew Unterberger of Wright's Turkey Sanchez tweeted out like the, t- the taking it personally doesn't work out for Joe. He's better when he's not trying to make statements. It takes me back also to Ramona Shelburne pointing out that when Joel missed an all-star game with a close contact COVID scenario, his first game back at Washington, he felt the need to make a statement that he deserved to be an all-star and was trying to poster people dunking in traffic. And that's when he forgot to fall the way he likes to fall on purpose and hurt his knee, failing to stick that landing on that dunk in traffic. Yeah. Um, what did Hanlon say? He forgot to fall like a tree or something. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that, and that makes me nervous for this game coming up against Nikola Jokic, because as we'll get to Joel was not voted an all-star. It is a travesty. They did get that wrong. They do hate the process. And I, and Joel is certainly not a hundred percent. You could see that against Brooklyn. So I hate the idea that he's going to try to, prove he's the MVP, he's the starting all-star, and he's healthy all in one game. Yeah, it's it's kind of imperative, as we're going to discuss for Joel, to just like play his game. He There's a reason he's leading the league in scoring, and it's not because every time he gets the ball, he tries to dunk on people. It's because he's the most one of the most skilled players in the entire league, and he's seven feet tall, and he can attack you from the elbow or the post and he can stretch the floor to three and he has really improved upon his court vision and he's willing to kind of take whatever the defense 
gives him or provides his team within their defensive scheme and exploit whatever that weakness is or whatever they, they kind of want him to do because he's so multi-skilled and he has so many different facets to his game. Now it's not like he doesn't need to be 1993 Shaquille O'Neal and just get the ball five feet from the rim and dunk on people. That's, that's not how you excel in modern basketball, which he himself points out all the time. So he gets it in his head sometimes when he's like, Hey, I, w- I really want to just like show how dominant I am because this is a big game or a big matchup that that's what he's going to do. And that, that kind of thinking has to go out the window, but um, yeah. So hopefully he learned from the game against Brooklyn a little bit and he still had a, a decent game, mostly from the, from the foul line. And, you know, we're kind of talking like he had this awful game, but he had like a 26 and 10. So you, it's take because that for... we're used to him anchoring a defense yeah. And this defense had no chance. Yeah, that's that's the maybe the next thing we should talk about. So it was the first time, I think, since the early 80s that a team shot 64.5% from the field and lost. Um, do the Sixers, and this was without Kevin Durant, as you, you mentioned early in our discussion, do the Sixers have defensive answers for the, for the Nets, um, especially when Durant's back? No. Or is, or is this they don't? Okay. I don't think they do. Uh, if if they're all at full strength, I mean, if Joel was healthy, and at this point in the year, he's been not fully healthy enough that we might project some of this, what we're seeing, for the playoffs. I mean, he did that midfoot sprain a couple times and clearly was laboring on it in this game. And if that's the case, you can see how frustrated he gets because he has to focus a lot on Kyrie Irving who wraps around these pick and rolls. He's always in front of a guy like DeAnthony Melton. Melton offers almost no resistance as good of a defender as he is. He's thiable not much more because it's Irving. And once he's in there, Joel has this brutal choice. Do I take away whatever he's going to do, whatever magic he's got up his sleeve, or do I worry about the Claxton lob threat? And you could see Joe's body language on a few of these. He goes for Kyrie, and Kyrie finishes right over him. Or or lobs it to Claxton, and he's like, oh, I just need a little more help here. Because on the weak side, you got Tobias glued to a dude like Joe Harris. And that was without Kevin Durant. I mean, the Nets played a whole bunch of Claxton and Ben Simmons, and the Sixers' defense still had no chance. So it makes you worry a lot about when Durant is back, because you saw how good they were when he was last in the lineup. Yeah, so is it just going to be the Sixers have to outscore them, I guess, or do you feel like, I guess my question is in a playoff series, do you think the Sixers are going to be able to come out on top? It's tough to say. If you were the Nets, you would be looking to use that 2027 protected one through eight pick the Sixers parted with in the James Harden and Seth Curry. I think as you pointed out, Trey, right? <laughs> yes. Um, the James Harden, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons blockbuster. We need to rename that because Seth Curry was ridiculous. Um, and if I were them, I'd be looking to get some help. I mean, Miles Turner shooting 39% from three and protects the rim. He would be another good option to have with Claxton. He pairs a little bit better with Ben Simmons. Does Claxton have to be included in that deal to get Turner? Because then that makes it a lot less exciting from the Nets POV. So I don't know how this Nets team is going to look come playoff time. It might look a little bit different. Should they be shopping Ben Simmons? Because I don't think he's fully healthy at this point. Um, I don't have the same feelings that Jock Vaughn has, that he's not doing what he can to be out there. 
but it's fair to say he's he's not right. Um, he's not the athletic player the Sixers used to have. So they yeah. should they should make a trade. I, I well, first in regard to Turner, all the um all the buzz seems to be that the Pacers kind of are looking to have him long term now. Um, now that Sabonis is in Sacramento, that that logjam is. But you never know. I mean, there there could come an offer that entices them. But I I would say I, I don't see a deal with Brooklyn without Brooklyn giving up a guy like Claxton. I don't I don't think it's going to be like Indiana unloads him for a a future pick or something. Um, I think these teams are undervaluing the value of a top five pick in this draft and and looking to get that. I mean, even four games could shoot you up to that territory um and parting with a guy like turner might might get you there like the the spurs are they really asking for two firsts for Jakob pertle because they should be all in to get victor yeah i mean that's that's certainly in everyone's minds i'm sure that you got not only you you got a good number two in the draft also uh so with the uh the skewed lottery odds that uh yeah teams are could be looking at a franchise changing thing if, if the, if the lottery balls bounce their way. But um, I, I think yeah, Indiana is, Indiana is like excited. in a playoff position now. So they're not, they're not really looking to tank by any means. So that's fair. But if I was a fan, I'd be like, I just want that 10th seat. Cause then we have a chance we could do what the Raptors <laughs> did and shoot up to four or the Lakers a couple of years ago, which helped us get AD. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. And I'm sure teams are t- going to be doing that calculus in the last week or two of the season, but I don't think by the trade deadline in mid-February, that's really going to be what they're thinking about. I think they're going to be thinking, you know, how do we best utilize our assets more so I think you're right. stripping them down. Um, but I, I think to your point more broadly, I, I think Brooklyn is does have, they definitely have more in the cupboard than the Sixers do to, to make moves at the deadline. So they Harris can. And that 2027 Sixers pick is in a bad package to make an upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. They really, really have to. I mean, you owe it to Kevin Durant to go all in in his prime. You don't know what he's going to look like next year or the year after that. You can't just just, granted how well he's playing. Just because he's historically bounced back from an Achilles injury, that's not something you can just count on moving forward for a guy uh, that that should be in the twilight of, of his career, but is you know playing as well as anybody or playing as well as he ever has uh somehow magically healthier than (laughs) than james harden despite recovering from a much worse injury yeah so i mean a lot of things that are just kind of like defying yeah expectations and 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 history at this point but i don't think you can count on that so yeah to your point you should be maximizing your window if you're brooklyn and you have kd and Kyrie, where that's as good of a scoring duo as anyone in the league you have some good supporting pieces and as we said you have you have some workable contracts and you have some some draft capital that you can go out into the market and and make something happen and upgrade your roster so um, whether it's a more marginal thing or yeah I, i i would agree that they they should be looking to to move ben maybe but like what's what's the market for him even at at this point like no one knows what the health situation's like. He hasn't really come anywhere close to regaining past form. So it, it'd be a super sell low if they were looking to do that. They should consider that though. Yeah, I'm I'm sure they have. But like I said, what like what's the market? Like what are, what are you getting when Ben's making what he's making and his value's where it's at? Um 
are, are you getting something that really significantly upgrades your roster? I don't know. Could you get John Collins maybe? <laughs> I don't I don't see why Atlanta would do that. I think Atlanta could get much better offer. What about um, what about with the Sixers pick? You can I mean yeah, I, that's to my point. You you can definitely get something. They they can make moves. They have good good assets to trade. I'm just not sure where Ben falls in that that hierarchy of their assets but yeah like the Sixers pick that's I'm sure Ben and that like, Sixers like pick can they Collins? get can they get a, a purtle I don't I don't yeah I don't I don't think it, I just think Collins is a tier above where Ben's at right now and I don't think they have any premium draft capital that that would really make up that margin okay. but like you... using that Sixers pick is definitely I mean that definitely has value could, could they do that and something else to get like Maybe not Pirtle because I'm not sure how well that's really a need for them. But like a guy of Jakob Pirtle's ca- ca- caliber, I mean, that's that's kind of a tier of player they could definitely target with, with with what they have available to them. Yeah. Um, but just to to put a, a bow on the Brooklyn game, um, so Harden, not not the greatest game for him until the last four minutes, and then we kind of saw the uh, the James Harden closer that we were all hoping for last year, the two big step back threes. He had a, a really nice drive to make it a, a two possession game there down, down in the final minute as well. Um, I, I, nothing, nothing really too new to say there. He's been playing great the last few weeks. Um, it looks like he and Joel have figured a lot of things out in their partnership. And that's probably the, the biggest reason for optimism for the Sixers going forward. Um, and then also Tyrese, great game coming off the bench as well oh man what a game just i know i was against it and i think they could they could just stagger minutes differently but it is nice to get him a chance to spread his his wings with the second unit and say like hey this is your this is your group go out there and, and make magic happen for the next six minutes uh so i'm i'm coming around on the the Tyrese off the bench thing because it, a it's obviously working, but if this is what allows Doc to kind of put the ball in his hands and and it can be his show for a quarter of the game, then so be it. I, I think there would be a different way to work it, but I, I seem I, I'm okay with it at this point. I don't know what I I, I can't imagine you have. Too many bad things to say about the the Tyrese six man experiment right now, Dave. No, it's it's amazing. It's it worked against really top teams here in I guess the Clippers, the Blazers, the Kings, right? Um, and it's I mean he's shooting the lights out. I guess the one thing I would say is I'm suspicious that a line that an all bench lineup is going to hold, tread water against. Boston in Boston or Milwaukee in Milwaukee. That's what I would say about it. And I remember a couple of years ago, we saw these positive plus minuses about the Tobias Dwight Howard lineups. And I was so suspicious of that doc went with it in the playoffs and it was awful. I mean, they couldn't score and they couldn't get stops. So even though we've seen it work out against high caliber teams on the road, is it sustainable? I'm not sure that it is. I know Ty Lue has talked about how awful it is to have to scheme for the Sixers when one of Harden or Embiid is out there the whole game. And the Sixers are currently not doing that. And you have to start to think that maybe their plan is to deploy an all-bench unit with Maxi in the playoffs if thing, if this continues to 
go the way it's going, right? Um, and I, I don't, I don't nervous. think in the playoffs, I, like I don't feel like they're going to play 10, 10 deep in the playoffs. So that's adds less of a concern for me. Okay. Like, so I, I still think they're going to have Tyrese led bench units, but I think Tobias will also be out there, or um, or maybe Melton as well. Like I, I don't think it's going to be Tyrese and and the rest of the bench crew for four minutes in a state. Let in me the ask playoffs. you. Let me ask you this. What would you say the percentages are that we get shocked at this trade deadline? Like, for example, a player like Tobias has moved. I don't think there's any chance Tobias. Zero. No. Because there's there's nothing you're going to get back that helps your team more in the present than Tobias himself. So I I don't see any incentive to moving him right now. I think if a Tobias trade happens, it happens in the offseason. But if you're you would have you would have said we might have said zero in terms of acquiring James Harden when Ben Simmons was first out of the lineup, right? No, like, I I don't think I would have said zero because even even in September of two thousand and twenty one, maybe maybe there were, it would have been Harden because he seemed to be happy in Brooklyn, like he was yeah with his buddy KD, and you know there was no there were no fires there was no smoke in the horizon for the whole brooklyn situation at that point but if you had said hey the sixers will get a current all-star that becomes disgruntled for ben i would have said there was a pretty good chance of that happening right well that could include like 25 guys yeah but that's different than saying like ben would have been traded at all and i just don't think i don't think the cap mechanisms and from an on-court perspective, I don't think there's any reason the Sixers should be making a Tobias trade right now. There's just who's going to give you something right now for Tobias that would make the team better for the rest of the season on the court. I just doesn't, nothing about it makes sense to me. So me, uh, we were talking about some potential one where the Mavericks get Harris parting with contracts. They have, they don't want, I don't know, like uh, uh, Bertans, maybe Kleba, a couple guys who they don't see as long-term pieces around Luca, and those guys go to Houston. Eric Gordon goes to the Sixers, and the Sixers maybe could also get a guy like Reggie Bullock. Probably not something that's going to happen, but is there a win-win framework there to be figured out by a guy like Daryl Morey? Would the Sixers feel better about that? I don't know. Yeah, I just don't. Like something like that, I don't see that as a as a significant upgrade. At best, it would be like a lateral move, and I, I would say why not stick with the core you have now that's playing well. There's maintain some continuity and then revisit the Tobias situation in the off season. Yeah, I think one thing a lot of fans overlook is the benefit of maybe re-signing Harris. Like. <laughs> You get to that point at the end of his contract after next season, and you can just get a much more affordable deal getting to go way over the cap in order to do it because you're going to be a luxury tax team anyway. You know, everyone's thinking he's going to come off the books and provide all this cap space. But if you're going to pay Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and Joel being a super max, you're not going to have that anyway. Yeah. It, I mean, that's certainly a possibility down the road. And I think a lot of that is going to hinge on how the Harden situation shakes out. But um, yeah, you're right. So that's, but as for this season, I, I don't see it happening, but 
Yeah, there's right. there's a lot of things that are still still possible down the road as far as that goes. I would go higher than zero. I would say five percent. Okay. Well but we're just quibbling. Yeah. Agree to disagree on the on the five percent or not. Ninety five percent chance it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, it was a I don't know. I don't know. It was good that they got the win in Brooklyn. It's going to be or against Brooklyn. It's going to be they're, they're now two and zero against them this season. Uh, so that definitely will help as tiebreakers shake out potentially at the end of the season. Um, How excited but... can fans get for a possible two seed? Because like I know the record, the schedule in front is so hard, but right now they're there. Yeah, I I think they should. I think that should be the goal. So. No, no reason that they can't. Uh, they're playing as well as nearly anyone right now, and they they have the position right now, so they just kind of have to hold serve. And yeah, they they have a tough schedule, but you know, just make it happen. I guess play like you've been playing the last few weeks. So, all right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come hear from our sponsors, when we come back, we're gonna do a quick Joel Embiid All Star rant and quickly preview the game in, against Denver on Saturday. All right, Dave. So Joel Embiid, not voted as an all-star starter, was within the top three in both the media and player voting. But unfortunately, the 50% fan vote, uh, he fell outside that top three and did not make it. So the man leading the league in scoring and number two on the current MVP ladder will not be starting in the all-star game. Thoughts? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I mean, I get that he may not be as popular as... Giannis Tatum and Durant but it's just these things always work out against his favor right I mean the all-star the all-NBA team was like you can only have one center and people don't want to vote for Joel as a forward and they think Jokic is the MVP so when it's explained to you like that you're like ah I really think Joel is the MVP because of his defense but I get it like all right it makes sense to me and then you hear this, there's only three front court players, and even though Jason Tatum is eligible as a forward or a guard on all NBA teams, now he's only eligible as a forward, and that works against Joel. And that makes sense too, but when you add it all up, he just keeps missing out on these awards he deserves. If everyone who released their ballots would say, I think I've got him as a top three player in the entire league, but I don't have him as a top five player in his own conference or the all NBA team, it's just so absurd. And he's getting shafted in these awards year after year. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing. See, just him being in the minds of many, the second best center in the league just seems like the worst position to be Yeah, as far as these awards are concerned. Um, it, it might be a moot point. You know, if if KD doesn't end up being healthy by the All Star game, and Joel probably then start, but yeah, it's just really unfortunate, and you feel for the guy because he 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 makes he says all the right things now about like I'm just worried about the team winning a title, but you know he's a guy that's aware of these things that are going on, and for him to put in the amount of work he does and to continue to improve as a player as he has over the years, you want him to re- be rewarded for all that and to kind of get these slight snubs here and there they, they you could probably take one or two but they, they seem to like add up and it's yeah you just feel for the guy 
if Durant wants to just come in and log one minute of one game, he could lock up that, you know, he might care about it for, in terms of his own legacy. I've got like what, 14 all-star starts or something. Yeah. Well, he, Katie said he just loves hooping. So he just wants to hoop any, any chance he can. So yeah, if he's healthy, he wants to be out there because he said he, he, he said he's getting older and you like, you look back, you're starting to like look back on your career and you realize these, these things don't come around very often. You just want to enjoy each one. So I think if he's healthy, he's definitely going to be out there, but didn't Chris Paul like come in to log one minute of the game and then like missed, he took that, the whole week off to recover. That was like a Kobe related thing. Wasn't it or something? Wasn't, wasn't there something, there was something more to it than him just wanting to get an appearance in. Maybe you're right, but I'm just wondering if if Katie could do that play, even though he's not quite ready for game action. Maybe he just logs a couple minutes to lock up that starter spot and then gets the week off to heal more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. It's it's probably out of his control as much as yeah. anyone's. So, yeah. but regardless, travesty. Joel is top travesty. Yes, top three ish player in the league and. What did Daryl Morey say? The Boston Mafia. Media? <laughs> the Boston Media Mafia. Yeah. Basically, basically, he said that the the media vote it's way too overrepresented by people from the New England area. So Which that's is why, true, right? It, I mean, that? empirically, yeah, it is. There's yeah. uh, so that's why Tatum, in in Daryl's opinion, that's why Tatum was so well represented by the media vote and. Tatum was first team all NBA ahead of Joel last year. And Tatum is starting all-star ahead of Joel this year. Yeah. And both of those are quite debatable. If you've got Joel as the runner up MVP last year and wherever you have him on that key MVP ladder second right now, yeah. I mean, the Celtics have the better record, but they've also got a pretty damn good team. Yep. So hard to, hard to fault the best player on the best with the on the team with the best record in the league right now, I mean that's a you can make that case. I I, I get it, but um, yeah, Joel Joel certainly made his case with his production on the court, and I guess we just gotta suck it up and hopefully he uses that as fuel and but he does it in a good way and not a try to dunk on everyone way, but in a just playing his usual dominant game kind of way. Well, Brian Windhorst said that the media definitely doesn't like Joel. And Kendrick Perkins says Joel is leading the NBA in scoring and his team has one of the best records in the league. Embiid not be named all-star starter is beyond disrespectful. Carry the hell on. So <laughs> Ken- Kendrick seems to have a, he seems to have Joel's back. I like that about him. So I think he wants to work on Doc Stav or something too. <laughs> really? I think, I think he loves his media this media role right now. Yeah, I'd be surprised right. if that was the case, but um, all right, let's finish up real quick. Big game Saturday afternoon, nationally televised Denver leading the West right now. And of course the, uh, the league did their part to make sure both teams would have uh, as many guys rested coming into this one. Neither team has played since Wednesday. So would expect everyone that's not injured to be available in this one. Um, including Nikola Jokic, who had a bit of a hamstring injury last week, sat out a couple games and then sat out Wednesday, but that was the second game of a back-to-back. He did play Tuesday, so expect him to be available for this one. Um, I don't know, Dave, what's your, what's your prediction for, for Denver-Philadelphia Saturday afternoon? I predict the Sixers will win, but my confidence meter is not high. I, I don't believe, despite the rest, that Joel is healthy. I mean, he had like five and a half days off coming into that game against Brooklyn and was clearly not healthy. He actually looked 
healthier in the prior game against Portland than he did against Brooklyn, didn't he? So maybe some of that was yeah, adrenaline. He, he, he was really flexing that shoulder a lot. It seemed to be bothering him. And then later in the game, there was a, a sequence where the foot was bothering him as well. So he's definitely got some some things that are causing him some pain right now. Yeah, he he out of frustration jammed the ball and pulled himself up on the rim and landed and clearly winced on the left foot which is the one that he had the midfoot sprain on a couple months ago and then aggravated against the pelicans i think that's still bugging him we haven't heard much about what the shoulder thing is but he's been flexing it off and on all season and i think the worst we saw him flexing it was against brooklyn that being yeah. said you know he's going to be out there and you know he really wants this one uh, they owe it, man, because they had this game locked up. Joel was out playing Jokic last March, and they just let that one slip away. Bones Highland hit a big three, if you remember. Yep. They played a little too much DeAndre Jordan, of course, as <laughs> as Doc is wont to do. And yes. They owe it, and if they do get that win, they could actually get away with resting Joel or James or both over the course of the upcoming Orlando, Orlando, Spurs games, the next three. Yep. So big, big game. Can maybe be looking at a 10, a 10 game winning streak if they can pull it out on Saturday. I'm going to say they get it done. They, I, I think they're at home. They're, they're playing as well as they have all season right now. It seems like everybody is reasonably healthy and the pieces are kind of all locked into place for the rotations and working well together. Um, so I'm going to say they get the win and start off a, a tremendous Philadelphia sports weekend. Just keep the good Ooh, vibes like flowing it. for Philadelphia. Do we have a lineup in that game? Yeah, I don't see one yet on DraftKings. No, I haven't haven't seen anything. I don't I haven't seen the official injury report. I haven't haven't seen anything posted as we're recording this yet. But I'm guessing the Sixers are going to be favored by just a couple points. Yeah, I I don't, I don't expect it to be a big line. Um, yeah, probably like a minus minus one and a half, minus two, something like that. But, but you expect the Eagles to win as well. I do. I think it'll be big, big weekend for Philadelphia sports. So let's make it happen, Dave. Thanks for joining me once again. Where can people find you online? Um, at David Early, like early morning on Twitter, and my writing all for LibertyBallers.com. All right, I'm at Philly Fast Break on Twitter. Thanks for listening, everyone. Go Birds.